It's Friday, May 19th. This is Accelerate Daily. Today, we've got Dragon Edit Photo Generation, the AI era of search engines, content creation AI models, and a recipe for how to build a sales development bot. Put on your goggles. Jump into it. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Adam. My name is Mackenzie. Good morning. We're here to uh, round up the last 24 hours in AI. What are we looking at for the title image? It's, uh, it's Batman and Superman, but Superman is wearing a Batman-colored outfit, and uh, Batman is wearing a Superman-colored outfit. And they're fighting, and they're very muscly. And the Superman one has the cowl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, With the ears and the, everything. <laughs> the post on Reddit said, hmm, I asked for Batman versus Superman. Yeah, it's just, it's just, this is just good thumbnail game, if I'm honest. Um, I wonder. But also, it's a funny miscalculation, right? All, you can see how all of that data would be contained in any picture that was probably tagged Batman yeah. versus Superman. Yeah. But it shows that, like, the AI doesn't know the difference between the pop culture characters and which, like, functions to apply in the right place. Well, I'm, I'm wondering. Got the costumes right. The colors are right for Superman. The S is there. Yeah. They both have capes, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if um, this is because there's more, like, Superman in the data set. Because they both, they both have S's on their chest. So maybe um, images oh, of yeah, Superman, they've point. been trained on more than images of Batman. <laughs> because Batman's a little bit, I don't know, like, newer or something. Like, maybe there's, like, some statute of, like, copyright limitations so they could train on more Superman stuff. <sighs> there's definitely a historical aspect to this. I feel like... Batman's been more popular recently, but does that outweigh that Superman existed for like a decade before Batman did or something? And then in that decade in particular, that stuff that the AI can kind of eat and the stuff that Batman has, maybe not yet as much. Anyway, let's jump into it. Oh, this one's crazy. This one's so crazy. I was pogging out of my gourd when I saw this. Yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) Dragon Gan. This is a, uh, a paper that was published on Hugging Face. Drag your GAN. Interactive point-based manipulation on the generative image manifold. Uh, this one got a GIF in, this, in the deck. Gotta see it work. Um, the GIF, GIF, whatever I'm supposed to call it, uh, shows the mouse dragging the nose of a dog in a photo. Like, like as if, hey, I, want the, I, want, I wish the dog was smiling. And it just morphs to that. It's real. It's, it, I don't know how to describe it other than morph. Like you get the sense that the photo looks different, not wrong, but not in the same way that if you said to an artist, hey, paint this up with their mouth open. Like it's not totally clearly the same dog. It also feels like the lens is morphing to some degree. But anyway, can you talk about like what's happening here from a ML standpoint? What I assume is happening is that this is just like iterative. GANs. So GANs are a generative adversarial network. It's two AIs working in tandem. One AI, you know, this is kind of basic stuff. So sorry, personal knowledge, like I don't know if people do or don't know this. Um, But the idea here is that one AI is like the generator and then one is the discriminator. So one AI is like, I think this looks like a dog. And the other one says, no, it doesn't. Dumb, 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 dumb. That's wrong. And so then it goes back to the generator. Generator tries again. And then eventually discriminator says yes. So as these deformations come in, I think that that process is just happening very quickly because they've been able to sparse tune some of these GANs on these um, on these prompts. So um, as the drag is happening, uh, that back and forth between the generator and the discriminator happens multiple times a second, right? 
And uh, eventually we still get like a working product with the new kind of inputs. That's what I believe is happening, but I haven't read the paper yet. Yeah. And ultimately, it's a, it's a model that's trained on just a crap load of pictures from the internet, which I think accounts for, like it's regenerating the thing, but if you think about what it's based on, it's based on, okay, you have this approximation of an image. I'm only going to alter this piece of it. But it's learning corpus is all these photos. And so you get this, this is the weird unga- un- uncanny valley part of it that this really, to me, like calls out how this stuff works, which is like, I, maybe this isn't a thing other people would see, but like as a lifelong photographer, former professional photographer, I can see the lens, like the, there's, there's a warping, you know, like, like, you know, you, you see fisheye stuff, right? That's a good example of, of warping in a lens, right? Uh, I can see that kind of happening to the image. So yeah. as it's going, it's also scooping up other stuff, which is, okay, in the corpus of dogs with their mouth open, there must be more wide-angle pictures because there's also this little morph to the entire image that's, that's indicative of the switch from 50 millimeter to 24 or something mm-hmm. like that. I think what's happening is the, the GAN adds 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, for sure, check the post out if only for the for the gifts in the in the comments. Totally. Which show it show it working a bunch a bunch, and are just it's mind blowing the idea that this yeah. is going to be like built into every Photoshop. You, thing, you're so. burying the lead a little bit here. There's a, a fashion model in this for um, clothing design. There's like realistic humans, and people could design clothes on the model and make tweaks like real time. They could mask and uh, rewrite prompts to like change what the clothes look like, and then yeah. take that picture turn it into a technical flat pack and send it off for manufacturing. So we're going to see a lot of new AI-generated clothes, which is really exciting. It's a funny place to... It's a funny place to pull it from, but like, this is the craziness that Altman is talking about that's ultimately, I think, to our benefit for the iteration through certain things, right? If we're about to have a crisis of how do we produce enough clothing for the modern human without melting the planet, efficiency is going to be really important. And things like this will be able to say, one of your parameters has to be, has to use as little fabric as possible to provide this design. And then you won't have to think about a whole fulfillment universe to make that thing happen because your, your model can just be saying, okay, minimize surface area relative to the thing you're trying to achieve here. And you're, you're completing one aspect of that without doing a bunch of math on a thing. Yeah, that's crazy. Moving on. Yeah, I love this one. Music LM. This is, uh, this is actually a, to a tweet from Paul.ai. It's pa- at it's Paul AI on Twitter. The tweet says, ChatGPT for music finally exists. Google has revealed music LM for its, its AI for creating music. Check out the thread. It's, it's full of music created by this thing, and you can play with it. All you got to do is sign up for like a Playground account or something like that. Played, this, played with this at all yet, Mac? This is um, kind of like an update on an older story. So I covered yeah. this in about February. And when I looked up Music LM, I found that website from February. So that it used to be like a private, like, oh, you couldn't use this. And now, now the gates have opened and you can do it yourself. And at that time, I was like completely blown away. And I, I can't wait to get on with my day and then go make some music. <laughs> sounds awesome. Right? It's, it's text to music is what it is. So the example you can see in the picture here on the slide, but it says, ambient soft sounding music I can study to. So you just you type in text prompts and it produces things and you can just hit retry and it's and it's doing it but in a generative way. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean that that example there 
is great, in particular because I am a listener to ambient sounds during certain parts of my day when I'm when I'm working. Crazy that you don't need people for that, right? And then it's going to when the part where it where you then introduce the people. I have a TikTok, which is Billy Corrigan from the Smashing Pumpkins talking about this, but I think it's kind of the right take. So I've been sharing it a bunch. But basically, he says like. I'm not worried because you're still going to need that touch point for taste making, which is like, if you ask Rick Rubin what he does, he's like, I sit there and I say what's good or not. Yeah. And I, I seem to be good at it. <laughs> right. Like same idea. Just crazy. that You don't have to learn how to play guitar before turning into that tastemaker. That's kind of the point he's making. But like you said, a lot of people are stoked to go try to make some music. Now yeah. they just have to say softer, uh, angrier, <laughs> whatever. And, you've, and you're starting to make stems. But I still tend to believe it's going to be stems. And then there's going to be that art to stacking them up and doing production things. You get something coming out the other side. Super cool. Though. Go make some tunes. <laughs> the, tech, the tech on this is pretty interesting, too. Just yeah. like shout out that the, this works similar to that um, GAN that we were just looking at. Because the music, the audio files can also be processed as images. That's how this works. Yeah, I was going to say it's just waveforms. Yeah, we have a we have a way of visualizing this stuff. So that is that so that's what it creates, and then we interpret the waveform as audio that's been generated as an image. Yeah. Moving on, let's take it. Let's ratchet up the content that's being created here in terms of complexity. We got another tweet. This one from Nathan Lands. AI video started to produce mind blowing results and could eventually disrupt Hollywood. Again. Check out the thread. What it really is, is full of examples of where the exact same process run on video files can do the exact same thing. Now, the files are way bigger. So this is going to lag behind our ability to do it with still images. But also, and if you look at my resume, I certainly qualify as an expert on this one. They can get there with video, technically. This is an example of Sort of where we are as of whenever the tweet was, May 9th. So a little old, but a little old. Ridiculous. 10 days old. <laughs> um, but full of a bunch of cool examples. Broadly, I would say I feel like GANs that are doing this stuff now are at the level of abstract vibe animator, which is 100% good enough for some ads. Mm-hmm. Hand-drawn animation kind of stuff. Real vibey, real warpy strange effects, but like it's a hundred percent an aesthetic that like when I saw the one of the lead videos for this, somebody else mentioned it, caused me to send around the like a rolling the the Rolling Stones like a Rolling Stone video. Same vibe as one of that. It's just done with manual processes where they literally like warped the warped the film, which was a, a giant hassle. But we're almost there on on AI video too. Strikes me as like concept art. So I live uh, near Vancouver, BC, Canada, which is um, a major film production center of the world. Uh, so a lot of my friends and colleagues work with IATSE and stuff like that. And I like I know that they could take this concept art and then turn it into something real, right? So now the kind of director can iterate with the AI on the concept art stage uh, until he gets it exactly the way that the director wants it. So there's no kind of communication barrier that way before passing it to the construction department to start building those sets and costumes. Yeah, so that's way more practical than even just the idea of, hey, there's an artist that makes the thing here. Like, there's a previs process. If you're going to pay a lot for VFX, they already have modeling software where animation people get in there and go, and then the body goes this way so that they don't have to, like, 
before you make the sexy stuff, you make the stick figure version so that when you put in all the money to render the thing that actually looks like Superman wearing the bad suit or whatever, yeah, you know, text to that has like has big implications for that aspect of the process. Also, just you know, fun to play with for a regular person. Like that software is very expensive. I was never able to afford it in my video production career. <laughs> Next up is our first headline from an actual news source. That's Friday, peeps. Stick around. Uh, we've got The Verge. The AI takeover of Google search starts now. And the, the rest of the article is about how Google has started rolling out generative AI, whatever. I have no idea exactly how they're pulling this together because that's Google, right? It's going to be some amalgamation of whatever's coming out of what they're calling their generative AI engine and then search results. Like a lot of it sure still looks like search results. But they are saying that it's generative AI powered. The main point is they are already willing to put that at the top of the page and present this idea that this like greater intelligence is providing you the answers to your questions and not whatever search was before that. You know, very utility feeling instead of agent feeling. But mainly I wanted to put this in here to tee it up for the next link in the description, although it's on the same topic, which is a post from you, Mac, on LinkedIn, talking about the idea of the large language... The, the idea of large language model optimization as a counterpoint to, to SEO. Yeah. <clears throat> you heard it here first, folks. Category leader. So <laughs> the kind of idea is that um, a lot of people might not know this, but like these LLMs are starved for data. Like a lot of the kind of compliance and like regulatory stuff that's going on with them has to do with like the data that they've been trained on. There's been spectacular failures of experiments of like AI going on the internet, especially from Microsoft. Um, the notable example being like Microsoft Tay, who with like unfettered access to Twitter became not a good person because the people on Twitter are human beings with a wide diversity of um, consideration for ethics and morality, as as they are supposed to do. Human on beings a platform have to be like that, that solves for outrage. Yeah, like yeah. I'm willing to say that part. Those yeah. those those recommendation algorithms solve for shock and awe. Yeah, do you get a certain type of content? Shock and awe would be a great band name. Um, <laughs> so. The data is like kind of the sticking point right now. Like everybody wants these AIs to be smarter. There's all of these like, oh, this isn't quite right. It's not smart enough. And the reason for that is because they're intentionally choking the data available for training to only include things that we consider to be aligned. And if you're a company that's creating an AI, you're like, well, I, I can't like get risque. I can't be weird with this. I, like we just have to be straight ahead, polite, informative, normal, bog standard. And there's not a lot of content like that on the internet because there's not a lot of people who are like normal, informative, polite, bog standard. It's just, it's, there's the average human doesn't really exist. There's like a lot of people on either side of like issues. And you kind of can think that like normal is somewhere in the middle. But there's not a lot of people that like actually are in the middle. So there's not a lot of content. So the idea behind LLMO is to use generative AI to produce this polite, informative, easily digestible and aligned content using current gen AIs to feed the beast, get that data in in a way that like future models can use. But when you're generating this stuff that is polite, on these new topics, um, you're also interpolating it to include your brand name so that when whatever the topic is, say that we're talking about like admission control, something that they're looking forward to doing is uh, offering sandbox um, kind of AI integration tooling. And so every article about like how to do this in a sandbox AI integration tooling would have the brand name mission control right next to it. So when the when somebody's asking a question about, hey, do you know any sandbox AI integration tooling? 
the AI would say, yes, of course I do. Mission Control, they're all over it. I have 10,000 papers from Mission Control on this topic and their right. name is in every single one of them. So you should reach out to Mission Control. And what you were saying earlier to your point of like, Google is putting it at the top to say this is a higher level of intelligence. Even normal people, like they'll whip out like a fake ChatGPT app on their phone and whatever ChatGPT says about the topic in question, they'll interpret it as fact. So this is a strategy of like seeding, Trojan horsing maybe, uh, future models with uh, kind of your brand identity by giving them exactly what they want. The part I enjoyed here was that when you first pitched it, you were like, there's a part of me that feels like maybe this isn't ethical. And, 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 and I'm here to say, I'm not sure that's true. Because I, like, I lived through the SEO boom. And my, a good portion of my upstart career was paying attention to what's happening with Google so that we know how to tweak the content for our clients to make it continue to, to rank on the search engine. Part of that was about knowing what the search engine is solving for in terms of trying to provide the best answers to queries for people. It has turned into a mess as they've had to monetize it and it's gotten to a certain point. And now we have this new thing that's popped up that's sort of possibly an answer to what search has become. But like, there's an interesting... It starts as an arbitrage opportunity that turns into an expertise, which is understanding how the LLM's like model for this stuff is different and how to apply. Like I think one of the other things I mentioned when we were talking was, you know, that it's not, this isn't necessarily counter to SEO. It works with it because you still need to start from the right topics and the right keywords and all those kinds of best practices. But then the interpolation part is the search engine doesn't care if you mention yourself a bunch of times. But right now there's this interesting sort of arbitrage opportunity where you can say, okay, but, this new thing is solving for a different thing. Now we can do this thing differently. We can use AI to do the thing differently. Just an interesting sort yeah. of aspect. It's an interesting, because at the same time, I'm involved in marketing conversations where they're like, do more podcasts, do more videos, because SEO is dead. Because if you can just produce hundreds of thousands of blog posts with chat GPT, then you can flood the zone in terms of all the keyword stuff. And, and, and like you said, it turns it's going to, there are going to end up being few winners that have the capacity to execute what that becomes at scale. Mm-hmm. So now you got to go other places. And it's so, it's so winner take all. Like if you, if you do, like this is an opportunity that is really risky to say no to because the people that say yes, and if it happens, right? And we'll talk about kind of one of the drawbacks, the reason why this might not happen. But if it happens, then you're the incumbent forever for the rest of the time that we use LLMs, whether that's a year, as, as Ramsey would say, or Sam Waldman would say, we got a year right. left before a fast takeoff, or whether it's 100 years, we don't know right now. But if you do this, every next generation model is going to be iteratively trained on top of the same data set. So you would crop up in every single future one. You would, you would own that topic forever. Unless, well, you'll own it until we solve the problem of needing to find a way to introduce negative pressure against it to solve for whatever mess we create by trying to figure out how to be the answer in front of people for marketing yeah. purposes. Yeah. And so all over again, time's yeah. a flat circle in that sense. <laughs> that's, so that's <laughs> getting into like why this maybe won't happen. And like legitimate reasons why you would say no to this is because every AI developer said, listen, we don't want to train on AI generated content. We don't want any of these like feedback loops because we don't know what that's going to do to the model. And it just feels like scary to have AI train AI. I think my like personal opinion is that when we get down to the wire 
and there's like GPT-5 out next year and Bard hasn't updated and Google's getting beat out in the market and they're like upset. They're just going to scrape and do it. They're just going to do it. They're just going to get the generative content to get that performance increase. I, I don't see a world where like they say continuously no because the data is such a strong limiting factor, right? People are going to do, their hands are going to be forced. That's what I believe, that they just have to get more data in and it doesn't really matter where it comes from. I think we could keep talking about this one forever, but move on so we can hit our recipe. On to the new segment, Neural Network Nourishment. This one will be a little quicker than the last time because it's a no-code kind of recipe. This is your recipe. Yeah, this is something that I, I built a while back to handle the first line of outreach in a sales development capacity. What it's doing quickly, uh, and I've, I've shared a link to a screenshot of the Zap in Zapier. Zapier starts with uh, an entry in a table and click up, does some filtering on that, pings ChatGPT with the information that comes from that, uh, formats the text that comes back a little bit, and then dumps that into a field and click up, and then uses that to create a draft email. So, what I do with this is fill out a field in a basic CRM that I've created in ClickUp with a name, a LinkedIn link, a copy and paste of their bio from LinkedIn, uh, some other information. And then this writes and creates a draft in my Gmail account or an intro email that says, hey, I saw you're into whatever and you, you might want to use our tool for this. It's a thing that's easy to look at and feel like it's a toy, but this saves me a half hour to an hour for any lead that I bump into who I think might be interested in this thing. I could send it. That would be, I would, all I would have to do is change a dropdown in Zapier and it would just send this email. I put it in the drafts file. I like to review it and do some stuff before I send anything out. But just crazy example, something you could thread together right yeah. now if you sign up for Zapier and chat GPT. This is something I need. I, yeah, I, I got to get in there. I got to get my hands dirty and add that business profiles feature from GPT Boss because it would be nice to like have, um, like there's no, there's no data source here, right? Like where does ChatGPT learn about mission control from like executing a search or, you know what I mean? So yeah, providing that I, context. I have to put it in manually. Oh no, actually I have prompt like injection happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Insofar as I have a pre, yeah, I'm priming inside of this step where it says conversation in ChatGPT. I am including text that I pre-wrote that says, here's what mission control is. Here's the link to the website. Yeah. Write a, you know, write an email that, introduces this, talks about these three main points, blah, blah, blah. Make it thematically related to any of the interests that I put in here, you know, that kind of stuff. But it, you know, it really was, it was, this was an early test for me where I was just sort of like, okay, I want to see if, I want to see if all these services suddenly telling me that they can do sales like cold email outreach for me, AI powered, you know, are really potentially legit. And instead of I built a thing that causes me to not need them. Yeah. Yeah. So check that out. <laughs> Yeah, it's so awesome. It's so it like this is what's so cool about AI. Like, there's so many ways that like you can do this for people, but then at the end of the day, there's always like you can just do it yourself, right? Like AI is so accessible, and everyone can benefit from it if they just know what they're doing. So please tune into these recipes. We're going to teach you how to do what you need to do with AI in a way that's like cheap, effective, easy. It'll be awesome. Stick around. Good wrap up, sir. Let's get out of here. This has been Accelerate Daily for Friday, May nineteenth. We'll see you on Monday. Have a good weekend. See ya.